This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Deep South Dining is the show all about the culture of Southern flavor. From fried chicken and collard greens to shrimp and grits and a glass of sweet tea. Subscribe now to the podcast using any podcast app or download our MPB Public Media app. Okie dokie, folks. Welcome back. Horticulture's fellow rushing. Mark, how are you this morning? I'm great. I'm getting geared up for Halloween. And, uh, Mark, um, you know, you're a gar- manager at Garden Works in right. Risland. I brought my grandmother's concrete chicken up there last week to meet y'all's chicken. <laughs> you did. How, how long have y'all had chickens up there? Oh, gosh. I mean, you know, we had chickens. Oh. 10, 12 years, maybe? Hen. 10 or 12, <laughs> not hen. Stop. Anyway, we, we, we have a lot of fun. We're going to be talking about gardening today. Got a lot of stuff going on. I gave Java a slice of something. Did you take a bite of that yet, Java? It's gone, man. Oh. <laughs> that was fast. What did you think? <laughs> It was good. It uh, you said it tasted like watermelon. Well, that's what she said. But it's not. And no, we're not making a joke, people. <laughs> it's not what she said. But uh, <laughs> I think it tastes like persimmon. Well, what? Yeah, but honestly, Felder, what did I just eat, man? A persimmon. Okay. A persimmon, but it bites. We slice it. It bites like a like an apple or a pear. True. True. And I never thought about it tasting, but it sort of has a watermelon overtone. A little bit, but it's 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 a citrus. Yeah, yeah, and it's it was good. What about you, Mark? Did you have some, Mark? I did. It was great. I love them. Yeah, yeah. It's... These these folks, what we're talking about is the Japanese persimmons, the ones that are size of a of a small baseball, mm-hmm. or this, even a small pumpkin. Yeah, 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 and they look like pumpkins. This That's not, it. Yeah, they do look like pumpkins. I was raised with one of these. My great grandmother planted one before I was born, and Katrina finally blew it over. It was probably it's half a century old when it blew over. Hmm. Never and this is up in the Delta, this North Mississippi, never failed to make fruit. Beautiful plant, just in time for Halloween. You could go out with a sharpie and paint little pumpkin faces on them but it's a fruit that people don't think about about growing because it's not a mainstream but it's a good looking plant good looking yard plant we're going to talk about a word for that after a while but yeah the persimmons are amazing and usually around halloween you know you have a tree that's like dripping with little baby pumpkins yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Right. now if you yeah if you were to dress it up now it really would look like some baby pumpkins growing on the tree you felt a rushing dressed up my truck with persimmons in one year i did but yeah you did and in a little while we're gonna cut over i brought a, a real persimmon a native persimmon they're small uh smaller than a golf ball by long shot and uh, we're going to cut one of the seeds open because they're supposed to predict what kind of winter we're going to have. Yeah, I so think it's gonna... a spoon if it's snow, it's yep. a fork if it's Fluffy, light, yeah. and then it's a knife it's if gonna you're be... going to have a little bit of everything. Yeah, what we need is a uh, is like a, a paddle in case it rains like crazy. <laughs> yeah, right. Because <laughs> next week is predicted for us, I guess, potentially to get our first frost or yes. something like be. that. It's about time. And by the way, it was been said, and I heard it, that the reason it has been raining because people stopped hanging their clothes out to dry. If more people hang their clothes out to dry, it would rain. 
That sounds like Fix It 101. Uh, Jeff Salmon's always said if he wants it to rain, he just has to uh, start pouring concrete. There you, there you go. <laughs> there you go. Well, this is a pro- live program, folks. If you want to give us a call and talk about gardening, I have a disadvantage. I, I went to the doctor and he took a potato peeler to my eye and peeled out a little piece and stuck something back in its place, a cornea or something like that. Anyway, I can't see the board, Mark, and well, you got bifocals, so Java, you might have to help us. <laughs> we have got Ruth, I believe, from Mabin. Is that right? Good morning, Ruth. Good morning. How are you today? I'm good, thank you. What can we help you with? Um, I want to plant about a quarter of an acre of wildflowers, uh, but it has. We haven't gotten more than a sprinkle here in almost three months, right? on my place right where I live. So the ground is either hard as cement or where I've enriched it, it's like dust. So I'm wondering if I should wait about planting wildflowers until we begin to get a little bit of moisture in the ground. That's a good question. Uh, You can, you know, you can either wait, you know, and kind of watch for a black cloud, or, you know, you could go ahead and do them, but you run the risk. just put them out there. You run the risk of birds and stuff maybe eating them, but, you know. Probably not. Here, here's a, a couple of trees. First of all, I, I, I've worked with the Texas group called the, the Texas Wildflower right, Research right. Center. Uh, and they said, you know, just throw the seed out there. When it rains, it'll rain. Right. But, you know, if you wait till it rains and put it out there, then it might not rain for another week. So just, just throw them out there. So October is probably the best month. November, not too late. But a lot of wildflowers have already started sprouting even though it's, it's, it's hadn't rained much. So I'd go ahead and put them out. Absolutely. If you've got okay. them, go ahead and do it. You know, get it behind right, you well, and enjoy the holidays. All right, thank you very much, and you too. Oh, I got a question. Bye-bye. I got a question to ask you. You still with us? Uh, yes, I'm here. Uh, quarter acre, you could put solid wildflowers, like just wall to wall, or are you going to do like a path in the middle and do some on one side, some on the other? What, what you going to do? What, what, what are you trying to do? I, well, it's, it's, behind, it's an area behind my barn, and I really just plan to throw them out over the whole little area. So. Okay, let, let me suggest something. This is going beyond when to plant wildflowers, and is what can you do to make them look good? Because sooner or later, within two or three years, it ain't going to be wildflowers. It's going to be a bunch of weeds out there because that's what happens. It's going to be everything that blows in. So to get the most of it, instead of thinking of it as a natural wildflower meadow, think of it as a temporary zinnia metal, me- meadow, and just, you know, like they're a zinnia season. Just throw them in big sweeps here and there instead of wall-to-wall. And uh, go by the co-op or a farm someplace and get you some crimson clover seed. Instead of mixing the crimson clover in with it, put you some swaths of crimson clover here and there and some swaths of wildflowers. In other words, uh, you know, d- do it in sort of pattern. And the crimson clover is so dependable and it's so pretty and it improves your soil that um, it, it'll make the wildflowers look better. You basically well, that just sounds like a wonderful idea. Thank it, you. Yeah, you basically create a wildlife habitat. Yeah, and have you got something in the barn like an old uh, uh, a, a piece of a tractor, a big old wagon wheel, or an old plow or something you can put out there I, to? I do. I have an old disc. Uh, put it out there, paint it purple or something like that. In other words, pretty the place up so it's not just what looks like needs to be mowed. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much. I, the my, picture in my mind is just so cool, the way you describe it. I'm definitely going to try that. Yeah, thank what, what so I, I, would, I would put that piece of a disc out there and uh, and mow a path to it and around it and maybe off to one side and then put wildflowers here and there and crimson clover here and there, and it looked fantastic. 
Well, I certainly will. I'll send you a picture. Appreciate it. <laughs> that was fun. All right, thanks. All right. Thank you. I wish I had her address. I'd love to have a disc. <laughs> hey, by the way, there's a couple of events coming up. I missed the Floral Library uh, plant swamp yesterday. Had cataract surgery. Missed it. It's the oldest known in the known universe. Is the oldest plant swamp, and I miss it. It's every spring and every fall. Uh, and it looks like, until my eye gets a little bit fuzzy, I'm going to miss the one in Mobile. But Mobile, uh, Alabama, has the coolest plant swamp ever. Ever. It's at the cent- in parking lot of the Central Presbyterian Church, corner of St. Anne and, and Dolphin. It's a great group of people, a wildly varied group of people, some very cool plants. And if you want to go to it and just show up, there's usually plenty of plants to spare. If you want to bring something that's more better. But they go around, they talk about the plants, then they have a swap. But that's going to be at Central Presbyterian Church in Mobile starting at 10 o'clock. Saturday morning. It is way, way cool. And I want to mention one other thing. Next Thursday, I'm giving a fun talk in Columbia. I hadn't been to Columbia in a long time. Uh, not Columbus, but Columbia, west of Hattiesburg. The Pine Needle Garden Club has been trying to get me down there. And they're sponsoring a free public meeting with me on Thursday, starting at 10 o'clock. It's going to be at the historic—it's an old church that's been turned into an auditorium called Chapel Lane. Converted church, uh, and it's on Church Street in downtown. As you remember, old church, Church Street, downtown Columbia, starting at 10 o'clock. We're going to whoop it up, thanks to the Pine Needle Garden Club. So what's right. up, Mark? That sounds like fun. You got a lot going on. Yeah, well, it's going to be. Especially just, for somebody with, you know, a bummed up eye. You look like a pirate. All right, we're going to take another call. Sure. We have got Kay calling from Boonville. Hey, Kay. Hey, you remember I called you last year about the persimmon seed splitting? Yes, um. No, I, no, I, well, don't. Glad- I don't. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't. Well, what, he, what he's going- saying is, go ahead, please. <laughs> he's oh, over here trying okay. to cut a persimmon seed, and I don't want him to cut a finger off. Hey, go ahead. Listen, I know. That's what we talked about last year, about how to be real safe when you're trying to cut those seeds open. I'm holding with pliers. (laughs) Go ahead, Kay. Yeah, right. Yeah, I told (laughs) you to mash them with pliers. Good good memory. I'd forgotten that. Um, Well, I'm glad you're doing it because my persimmon tree did not have any persimmons. Well, it had some persimmons, but apparently they dried up and fell off. So I'm glad that you're doing that this year. And uh, also, I, I wanted to ask you, where where can you buy a, a Japanese persimmon tree? I've I've been looking, and I haven't been able to find any any places that sells them. They, okay, that's a great question. They kind of come and go on the marketplace, um, but yeah. I know they're out there. Um, you're looking for a variety, I think. Fuju, no, few, maybe. Few, 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 got you, few, few, yeah. And a reason for it, there's a lot of different varieties out there. Some are bigger, some are sweeter. And there's a fellow at the farmer's market in Jackson who sells them uh, when when he's down there. But um, you can get them online. Most of the garden centers can get them. Let's just put it that way. They're normal suppliers. Che- I could say yeah, this. Check with your local independent garden center and tell them you're looking for one. And hopefully they'll jot your name down and try to find you one if they don't have it. Yeah, but it's called okay. the, the, the one. Of the, there's a lot of good ones, and the people who grow them say, "Well, this one's better than that one." But the one that's most likely you can find is called Fuyu, and it's non-astringent. It doesn't itself fertile. It doesn't have seeds, and you can eat it right off the tree. It doesn't have to be softened or anything like that. And just pick it and, and slice it. And they are delicious. So I suggest okay. what, you what? get out and look for one. <laughs> 
Well, I've been I've been doing that for sure. But what was that variety again? Foo you. I believe it's F U Y U. That's right. Oh, foo you. Oh, okay. Foo right. you. Yeah. Okay. And there's a whole bunch oh, of I, others, but you the main thing is whatever you want to order a self fertile variety because it doesn't have seeds and not astringent. There you go. Self fertile. Continue right. the search. Right. Good luck. I will. And um, uh, did, did you watch the chosen uh, we, series? N- no. Well, anyway, <laughs> neither one of us are TV were, watchers, actually. Well, well, I, I don't do it much. But anyway, in one of the episodes that was filmed in Texas, uh, there was a humongous uh, Jap- I had to be Japanese persimmon, and Mary was, you know, picking the fruit and taking it back to the camp. So I thought, well, that's interesting. I wonder if Felder has seen this. Nope. I, do, I, I, I don't need to go to TV. I do it myself. I've got a there's a there's a, a woman who lives in my neighborhood. I'm not going to say her name, but her sister's Carol Reese. Yeah, absolutely. And she lives in my neighborhood, and she's got one hanging over the street, so I don't need to grow any myself. Oh, if they're hanging wonderful. over the street, they're mine. <laughs> that's exactly right. All right. Okay, we, one other thing, one sure. other thing, and then I'm going to hush. This thing about hanging your clothes out, you know, to dry. Yep. So yep. it will rain. It don't work. I've been hanging mine out for weeks. I haven't had any rain. (laughs) Well, we appreciate you, Carl. Thank you so much. Thank you, Kay. Yeah, and you know, rain dances don't work very well either. I've been doing them occasionally. You got to do them right. Anyway, who we got now? All right, we are going to... You buy phone between my cataract. We're we're going to Bill, and he says he's in the country. That's pretty generic. Good morning, Bill. Good morning. How are you this morning? Uh, enjoying your show so far. I'm good, and you? Doing great, doing great. What can we help you with? Okay, uh, I have uh, been growing my garden for the past 40 years in what I would call the regular way, which requires that in the fall and, and winter uh, we clean up and use what's often called sanitation, uh, to get rid of all of the nasty stuff. Um, uh, I'm, but recently, sorry, Bill. Can you say what you used again? Your, your phone kind of cracked, and I didn't understand what you said. You said you're using, like, vegetation? Okay. No. Uh, well, I'm cleaning up the garden. Right. And getting rid of all of the stuff that's fallen. Right. Um, normally, that's called sanitation, I think. Yeah, clean yeah. it up. You clean yeah. the garden but up. I, yeah, but I've been reading about permaculture, and what they're saying is you should leave, you know, those clippings and those leaves right where they fall because that's the way it happens in the forest. And yeah, exactly, that's what exactly. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's good advice. You know, there are things called cover crops where you go in and you replant over your garden. You can use ryegrass. You can use clover. Um, you know, if you look at farmland, you know, they may get the corn up, but they leave all the other stuff, turn it in, and let it decompose. So it's just re- enriching your soil and your yeah. garden. And, and by the, let me throw this in. Permaculture is a fairly new term for what people have been doing forever. It just means plant, turn the dirt a little bit, replant, leave stuff. 
it's not, but gardening is not the same thing as forest gardening. You got a regular garden garden with rows and stuff like that. So what I would do, if you want to leave some of the stubble, that's great. But uh, you might also want to just throw out some crimson clover seed and grow your own stuff over the winter. And that'll protect the insects and stuff, too. Absolutely. Permaculture, actually, I've heard about that 20 years ago. Yep. Okie dokie, folks, with the Stalk Gardener with Mark Patrick and Phil Rushing. We have a really, really cool guy on the line I've been wanting to talk to for uh, talk to for over the years, but again, Mike Shoot. Mike, you with it this morning? Hey, Felder. Sure am. How are you doing? Well, I'm doing fine. And uh, my friend Mark Patrick, he and I have been to the Antique Rose Emporium before. You are the founder of the Antique Rose Emporium in Texas. And I'm going to say, y'all kicked off. The, the the thing, the the not the trend or the fad, but the thing about planting really good, tough, durable southern roses that grow well here. Well, uh, you know, it, it was, you know, by accident, but uh, some things always occur by accident or can be awfully nice. But uh, uh, certainly uh, these old roses are just like native plants and uh, certainly, you know, really encourage the use of uh, of uh you know, uh, using them in a garden. I think the garden setting with these roses is absolutely fantastic. Well, that's where y'all found these things. I mean, you didn't, you know, you were uh, just a, a regular, I'm not saying regular, a commercial nursery producer guy. And uh, when people were tired of Yopon Hollies and boxwoods and stuff, <laughs> you, you started looking around, and because you were raised with these, these old home sites and even cemeteries, seeing really cool plants, native plants, cool heirloom plants, and especially the roses, started collecting. So you didn't bring them from all over the place. You found them in, across the South. That's right. It, uh, it, 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 was, it was a, a, a wonderful journey. And, uh, you know, there's so many wonderful plants uh, that you can find in these, um, these time-tested areas, like cemeteries and abandoned home sites. Small towns. What, what? The plants that survive there are the ones that belong in your yard because yeah. they're, they're carefree, and yet they give you so much. You know, Aunt Mamie, she tried all sorts of stuff, <laughs> and she ended up with just the ones that, that, that wouldn't die, and those are the ones I want to start with. Well, exactly. It's kind of like my garden now. After these uh, two winters that we've had and summers that have been extremely hot and tough, I've uh, I've narrowed down some of my selections again. So. Uh, but it's uh, it's still a beautiful garden, and 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 nobody should ever stop gardening. It's uh, it's uh, it, it gives you a soul and and all kinds of uh, benefits. So well, uh, you you were one of the first uh, people to introduce roses. Well, as far as I know, the one to introduce Caldwell Pink, which y- y'all found in Caldwell, Texas, just north of where you live, uh, out from Brenham. And That's right. it it is you know you you donated roses to start this. This uh, craze. I mean, and I appreciate you being so humble. You're like it was by accident. It certainly looked like it was on purpose. We we had this we had this collection of roses uh, in the Greenwood Cemetery downtown Jackson, and it started off with a with a truckload of roses that Mark. And Dr. Dirt and I, you loaded our truck with as many as it could hold. I think it was like a quarter of a ton yeah. of roses. Yeah. yeah, I remember that. It was so much fun. And and, uh, and it, it's even more fun today to see that some of those are still thriving. And after after the win, after the winters we've had, the summers we've had, the drought, the heat, the yeah. cold, all that. Yeah. Caldwell Pink has never missed a beat. 
and it came yeah. from Caldwell, Texas. Of course, it's going to be going to be tough. But uh, you you have now officially retired. I have. It's a it's a it's a wonderful thing, Felder. I, I, uh, <laughs> you, I, you, I I'm still I'm still doing gardening and all the stuff that I love to do, but I don't have a, I don't have a payroll and stuff like that. Yeah, but you and you and Gina, but but y'all living right next to the, to, to the place you started. You got a, a new company owning it. Looking forward to giving a a couple of talks here next week. That's right. I'm we, looking forward to you coming down. And we've got information on the Mississippi Gardening Facebook about that. But Mike, um, what you what you going you know, you ha- any idea how many roses you have propagated and distributed to other gardens over the years? Any idea how many you have sold or given away over the years? You know, in all honesty, if you calculate the 40 years of uh, practically that we've been doing it, 35 for sure, and uh, in the number of roses we produced annually, it's got to be a three or four or five million. Yeah. So, wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And these are roses that, for the most part, if you plant them green side up in pretty good dirt, they're going to be there for decades. <laughs> That's right. Well, I, I saw my first ever Peggy Martin rose at your place. Yeah. And I got some cactus in my garden because we have, as Mark, Mark and I, we've we've had an Oklahoma winter and summer. So I'm planting an Oklahoma winter and summer yep. garden. And uh, but you you've, you, you know you have a lot of cacti and succulents that are. Uh, so it's just one of these kind of things where, as a gardener, you have taken your love of gardening into the commercial realm and only selling stuff that you would plant yourself, and that's that's commendable. Well. Yeah, I just I'm such a believer that uh, that that you need to connect with Mother Nature in some way, and gardening is one of the best ways. And there are so many wonderful plants. I mean, that, you've, you've heard this before, but when you plant a plant, you're planning for the future, and it and it really does give you hope and optimism and and discipline. And I mean, all kinds of stuff that comes along with gardening. And so, uh, finding these plants just makes it easier and more rewarding. That's, that's the bottom line. Well, I wanted to celebrate. Mark and I wanted to celebrate you and your 35 or 40 years of really changing the way we view our garden, starting with the roses, but also the what we call companion plants that go with it. You and Jean have done an incredible job, a service to the whole entire South. And I, pre- I just want to celebrate you. Absolutely. I you're, mean, uh, wow. You're more than generous. Uh, you know, your word is out there too, Felder, and and uh, you can't you can't dispel the the, the amazement of uh, of what you have done for the industry as well. And so, uh, you know, I'm just uh, I'm just glad to be a part of it, and, and looking forward to seeing you up here in a few in a few in a week or so. so All righty, man. Hey, hey, let me ask you this before we let you go: Have you ever you heard about t- telling the weather by persimmon seeds? No, you haven't. <laughs> I can't believe that. Y'all got persimmons uh-huh. all all over all, all over that part of yeah, Texas. Yeah, we have this little Texas persimmons down here. Sure. Okay, take a persimmon and cut some seeds out of it, right? And hold a yeah. seed between a pair of pliers and split it right down the you know from edge to edge. And yeah. the embryo, if it's shaped like a spoon, a knife, or a fork, it's going to predict the winter. <laughs> well, that's me. I, I, I wish I was making this up. I'm not sure, but the farmers, <laughs> farmer's Almanac says that it's true. I've well, been doing it since I was a teenager, actually. Yeah. yeah. And uh, well, I just. Well, what does it say? Well, it's kind of bad <laughs> news, actually. 
this persimmon, it looks like a knife to me. Well, I or a, spoon. Be, be, a spoon because I, sl- I, I sliced it wrong. Well, at least you didn't slice so, your finger. We're gonna be we're gonna be stabbed with a bad winter. Huh? Yeah, a lot of, lot of snow to shovel. A lot <laughs> yeah. of snow to shovel. Well, Mike, look forward to seeing you. Uh, give my best to Gene, and we will see y'all next week. All right, nice talking to y'all. Thank you very Thank much. Thank you. But, uh-huh. and, and folks, if y'all want information about that, go to Antique Rose Emporium. Antique Rose Emporium, one word, dot com. It's got information about their roses. You know, we don't sell stuff on MPB, but we're going to promote good stuff. Good, good stuff. Absolutely. You want, you want to see these kind of roses? Go to Greenwood Cemetery downtown Jackson. There's some still blooming after all this weird winter, and they'll be better than ever next year. But all righty, folks, uh, fellow rushing, Mark Patrick, Java Chapman, and uh, we just interviewed Mike Shoup. Starter and founder of the Antique Rose Emporium really kicked off good, hardy garden roses across the whole South. And uh, again, antiquerosemporium.com. If you missed it or you want to hear some more about it, go to the MPB online podcast. Click on Radio and Gestalt Gardener anytime and tell other folks about it too. So, what's up, Mark? Ah, you know, fixing my hair. Getting ready for Halloween. <laughs> Good luck on that. Java, um, the folks coming in next, I really made a mess in here. It's sticky in here. Well, Jermaine, with Next Time Mississippi, yeah, you're going to have to clean it up yeah, before yeah. she comes okay. in. Okay, yeah. I'm just saying. You, you, uh, you might better. All right, we need to go to Walker in Carroll County. Thanks for holding. What's up, Walker? Well, uh, I'm forest gardening. Uh, I've got a cabin here. And on the south side, there's a deck, and I've just uh, boxed off about a 30 by 30 box that I'm wanting to put uh, wildflowers and clover in. And I'm going to go with the white clover rather than the crimson. But my concern is in one corner, there is a shade tree, a pin oak, that shades the, uh, the cabin in the summertime, but is doing so less and less because it's just not looking very healthy. Not a lot of leaves, not, not as much shade as I would hope to get. Anything I can do besides water it real well during the drought, and and uh, well, anything I can do that you could recommend. You mean to help the tree? Yeah, it's about eighteen inch in diameter, so it's big. Did, did you till up the area on 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 one side of it? Uh, just a little bit because we were hitting roots. But being so dry, the roots were close to the surface, so we resisted doing that. Yeah, they're they're actually close to the surface because your your soil is heavy enough to where they can't grow down deep. So all of its roots are going to be real shallow. And uh, anything you do on that side of the tree, changing the 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 texture of it, watering, growing other stuff, is going to affect the tree. It wants to be out in the woods, all you know, just other trees. So not much you can do except water on the side away from where you dug it all up, and that that's about it. Yeah. So 30, what, 30 by 30, that's pretty big. It is. Uh, I, I, would, I hope that you're going to break that up into smaller gardens, maybe make a pathway down the middle and have one on each side. You know, in other words, instead of just a big rectangular or square garden, uh, you know, break it up into smaller uh, individual gardens that you can well, actually, rotate stuff around. That, that 30 by 30 is just one of four. It's the largest, but it's, it's where the tree is. Yeah. And I have not dug it up because I was aware of the shallowness of the roots. I yeah. just put Good soil on top of the clay soil we basically got here. Yeah, it hasn't, well, uh, been, it hasn't been cultivated for years, so the topsoil is thin, 
it's basically because of the leaves that are falling right. over yeah. the years. Well, anything you do to mess with the, the roots, and they're going to be shallow, including covering them up with more stuff, that's going to change those roots. And, um, you know, they're not shallow just because of the drought. They're shallow because that's kind of dirt you're in. So anyway, uh, what I would do is I would just concentrate on doing what you need to do on that side of the tree. And if you need to give the side that's not been cultivated or, or you know, a good deep soaking, you know, this is a severe drought we're having. A good deep soaking is about all you can do. Right. Well, I put some uh, fertilizer spikes that are for trees around the perimeter of the drip line uh, on both sides, the side that been, uh, we've been cultivating and the side that's been left. Quick, with quick suggestion so, on those fertilizer spikes. Hang Quick suggestion on the fertilizer spikes. Instead of sticking fertilizer spikes here and there, put them in a bag, beat them all up with a hammer and a little bitty bits and scatter them on top of the ground. Those fertilizer spikes are a great, great gimmick, and they only fertilize right where you put them. And those roots are everywhere, so scatter them all on top of the ground. Those fertilizer spikes are a gimmick. Yeah, and, you know, a fertilizer spike is, is probably great if you have a little small bed or in a pot, Yeah, possibly, but on a, a big oak tree. The roots are everywhere. Yeah, and it's hard to get them in the yeah. ground, too. <laughs> so one, one, one last question for you. Why, far, why forest gardening? Well, I'm just calling it forest gardening because I'm in a forest. It's <laughs> clearing, but but I, I'm in Carroll County, and there's just lots of, of uh, both uh, hardwood and uh, and evergreens uh, all over the place. The place uh, well, the reason I'm asking is forest gardening is actually a thing. It's kind of trendy where you have trees that have nuts and fruits on them. You have uh, understory shrubs that, you know, like blueberries and stuff that have berries. And then you have, in other words, you layer stuff like a landscape, but almost everything you plant has something you can eat on part of the year. There's a lot about forest gardening. Literally, then. then yeah. Inaccurately, but literally. Yeah. You, you, got, you got what we call a shade garden. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Well, anyway. Thanks for calling. Thanks for the advice. All right. I can't yeah. see that, Mark. I, I mean, I'm half blind. You got to. Who's I next? I know. Um, we've got Nick in Rock Hill. Good morning, Nick. Good morning. How y'all? We're great. How, what can we help you with? Well, I've got several fig trees that were killed back to the ground uh, this past winter. They came back, though, and didn't I they? Put them all. Pardon? They came back, didn't they? Well, I, that's what I was going to tell you. Uh, I cut them all close to the ground. And uh, all of them, I mean, everything just was gone. So, you know, and this has happened many years before. And uh, I'm trying to do it right this time. And now they came back, and the average height on these stems that have come this year are about six feet. Now, I want to know, uh, since you don't have last year's growth or the year before and just this year's growth, where do you trim them back to? Well, see, that's just it. When you, you, you prune them in the winter on what grew the year before. So this coming winter, prune what grew this year. And what grows well, off I of that will have figs. All right. Well, then I, if, I, if I trim back to where, what grew this year, I'd have to trim them back to the ground again. No, 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 no. You don't prune all. Okay, follow the, from the tip of a branch all the way to where it started this past spring and leave about half of that. In other words, don't cut off this year's growth. Cut this year's growth back. Cut it, cut, you know, just prune it back. So let's say you got four, five, six-foot stems that all grew in 2023. Cut those back to two or three feet or so tall. Leave leave some of this year's growth. Cut it back. Don't cut it off. All right. So cut it back within about three feet of the ground. Yeah. Yeah, sure. And it should be fine. 
Yeah. Okay. Thanks All for right. calling. Well, I appreciate it. Have a Thank good weekend. Okay. All right. We're trying to get through some calls here, and I believe we've got Mike in Tupelo, who's been holding on quite a while. Mike, are you there? Yes, here. Thanks a lot for taking the call. Oh, good morning. How are you? I'm good. I'm calling, following up on the first call there about the wildflowers. Sure. What's your name? About a, uh, a one-acre yard space, full sun, that I hate to mow. Uh, I do have some wildflowers that come up on their own that I let grow in the springtime. I'd like to put some seed out this fall, and I want to know, is, it, is there any way I can just spread it in strips on top of the existing turf, or am I going to need to get a disc and get serious and prepare a seed bed? No. What varieties would you recommend? Just broadcast it right over the turf, provided, you know, your turf isn't three feet tall, (laughs) and I hope not. And, you know, varieties, look for things that are good for your region. You know, you're calling from Tupelo, so you may be able to get away with some things there that they can't get away with in Biloxi. But things like black-eyed Susan, throw you some crimson clover out there. It's not a native plant, but it's 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 a good plant, and and you can mow it. And the, the opera, when Mark said you throw it out there, he's right. A rain should beat it all down, but if you could, could get like a piece of a fence or something and drag it behind your mower, you're trying to get the seed in contact with the dirt. Because if it sprouts up in thin air, caught up in the grass, it won't have roots. So seed soil contact is important. If you got real thick grass, maybe cut it kind of close, throw the seed out there, and drag something high on your mower or, some, or water it somehow to get the seed knocked down on top of the dirt instead of caught up in the grass. Yeah. All right. All right. I didn't have to cut well, mine I'm before fine. I put my clover out because it was dead. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> And uh, there, you know, there, there there are quite a few uh, nurseries, uh, you know, ar- around the area. There's a there's a, a nursery, and I'm drawing a blank. I can't remember the name of it uh, in in uh, uh, Amory. That's that specializes in native wildflowers that see themselves around. So the main thing is don't go with one of these mixes. You know, one of these um, uh, kind of. You know, you got fifteen different things in it. Get three or four different kinds of seeds of plants that we know do well: black-eyed Susan, Queen Anne's lace, clover, uh, things like that. And I bet you probably also have some wild asters out there the, with those little small white flowers. You probably yeah, good crop of goldenrod this fall too. Yeah, well, yeah. Go, golden goldenrod is not really a great thing for wildflower meadows. One of my all time, one of my top five favorite native fall perennials, but it gets too tall for the lawn. You're gonna you're, you're gonna look for stuff that can be mowed at least once a you know once or twice a year to to stay nice and low, right. or else you're gonna have a uh, a not just a wildflower meadow. You're gonna have bunch of weeds out there. I, I love these plants, but the ones for the lawn should be stuff that you can mow and it still blooms, looks nice. Yeah, right. and just, you know, think regional. You know, do a little research. That'll help. Thanks yeah. for the call. Oh, and by the way, if you well, send, me, send me an email, I've got a list uh, of something I can send you back about how to establish wildflower meadows, some easy stuff, uh, plants that grow for it. Uh, just shoot me an email. Go to felderrushing.blog. And uh, it has a little thing that says email me. I'll send you something that tells you sort of how to get started and some suggested plans. But Yeah. All right. 
I'm, I'm looking at the Extension Service website, and there you go. A lot of information. There the, you uh, go. The and public fellow named Brett Rushing on there. I don't know where he came from, but. Uh, well, uh, the probably fel- Felder's it, third cousin Felder twice Ro- removed. <laughs> I actually actually uh, wrote the uh, extension publication on uh, called Wildflowers for Mississippi Meadows and Lawns. Go to the extension service saying Wildflowers for Mississippi Meadows and Lawns. I was the principal author of that, and it's got all the stuff in it. And tell them Felder sent you. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Thank you, guys. Have a good, good weekend. Good luck on it. All right. We have time to get Al, who's on the road. Al, where are you headed? You there, Al? Yes, sir. I'm here. I'm headed to Murfreesboro, Tennessee. All right, boy. Can I go with you? Headed for the hills. (laughs) Yeah, I sure like it better up there than I do in Vicksburg based on the weather. (laughs) Yeah, a lot of people do, but not everybody can live there. Wait till winter. (laughs) Anyway, what's what's, what's going on? What's up? I've got a lot of padding, so I don't really have to worry about the cold too much. Yeah. what, What can we help you with? Uh, first question, uh, the Japanese uh, percent, will they grow in that area? Uh, they they should. They should. You're, you're pushing the northern range of them, but they should. Um, I'd have to do a little research or else when you get up there, you know, make a note, call the extension service and see if they recommend right. them. Because, you know, that's up in the foothills of the Smokies. They should have plenty of native persimmons up there, yeah. no doubt. And uh, plus, you're, you're up in apple country. You know, that's real, real apple country. Forget the persimmons. Grow apples. Yeah, really. You know. And, and that's great. I have two apple trees in the backyard. We just moved up there last November. And I, it produced probably about, those two trees, about 200 pounds of apples, but only about five pounds was edible. Yeah. And I don't know. Well, Try, try one of the Japanese persimmons up against the south side of your house so it doesn't get that cold north wind right. and see if that doesn't help. But also contact the uh, University of Tennessee has got terrific publications on not just the fruits, but get this, the right varieties of each. An apple is not an apple. A rose is not a rose. Different varieties produce better uh, with different uses. Yeah. So, so look at the varieties as well as the type of fruit. Like I've said, do your research. It's it's important when you're gardening. It's you know it's important when you do anything. Yeah. But. What what else you got? Okay. The the uh, question about the fig, as the gentleman uh, said earlier, uh, the figs I thought were dead this spring, so I cut them down real low, and I was going to dig, you know just dig up the stumps, but they put back out, and they they're about six feet tall, but they're getting a lot of dark. Uh, stained on the leaves. Yeah, it's it's too, it's late in the year. Don't don't yeah. worry about that. Sometime in the winter, cut everything that grew this year back about halfway. There's yeah. not okay. there's not a, there's not a commercial fig grower on earth who would not prune them in the winter time. Just don't look too close. They're they're about to let go anyway. Yeah, yeah, they're 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 like my, they're letting go. Don't worry. <laughs> don't look at them go. close. <laughs> All right. All right. That's a wonderful advice. Yeah. Well, uh, thanks for calling. Hand, hands on the wheel, yeah, man. Both hands on the wheel. Uh, oh yeah, buddy. I'm, I'm hands free. Uh, that's the way it is in Tennessee. They'll they'll tear you up up there. <laughs> Take care so much. All right. All right. 
But <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! You know that people are walking by staring at me because I've got on a a clown hat. It's not a clown hat, <laughs> well, and it's not an oompa loompa. I'm a munchkin man. Oh <laughs> I even got the lollipop. Oh, yeah. I heard that. Lo- Hold on. Yeah, hang on. It's plastic. <laughs> Sugar-free is what Sugar we call Sugar-free, that's it. And now, it's answers to unasked questions with Felder Rushing. All right, this song we've been dancing around, and uh, it's, a, it's a topic that's been featured in all the major flower shows, uh, and, and they're all based on a newish word coined eight years ago by a food author named Stephen Barstow. Now, Java, you too young to remember Yule Gibbons. Right? I am. I am too young. Okay. Wasn't he the grape nuts guy? Yeah, the grape nuts guy. He he would eat everything. <laughs> he, he would he, eat anything. Yeah, he wrote he wrote a book called Stalking the Wild Asparagus, but all the stuff you can eat out there. And I mean, I've done a lot of it too. I've I've had tea from pine needles and cooked bamboo shoots and Ely Agnes shrub with the winter fruits and uh, red bud flowers, all that kind of stuff. But there's a new word for it out now, and basically it means a mashup of edible and ornamental, uh, stuff that you can put in your yard, do a purpose. They look great, and part of the year, if you're tired of looking at it, you can eat it. And the word is edimental. Part yeah. edible, part ornamental. Ain't that cool? We've been talking about this forever. Plant stuff, and then when you're tired of looking at it, eat it. Plant stuff that has fruit on it, but you're not planting it as a fruit plant. I think Java just rolled his eyes. Did you roll no, your eyes? No, I was, you just I was, your head. I was okay. thinking. I was like, so kale is an el- or is a edimental. Yeah, edimental. You know, my partner gets real upset with me because when she wants to make soup, I won't cook. I won't go out and cut the kale because it's too pretty. <laughs> yeah, I'm not a huge fan of kale, but you know, sometimes they throw it in your salad and you don't know it's there. Yeah, but that's all. You know, growing Japanese persimmons. If you don't like the way they they eat, they still look great. Edimental. Plant, planting blueberries as a landscape shrub instead of having a dedicated area for vegetables or herbs or whatever, mix stuff up. You know, rosemary is just a great bush. Yeah. And you can cook with it. it. You know what I like to do with it? Break off a branch and throw it in your fire pit, and the whole yard smells like rosemary. Yeah, I have it uh, hanging over a walkway where people brush through it, makes them smell better. I had a, I had a little, uh, little small boy, you know, I always do this by age, you know, he was about two and a half feet tall. He's saying, you can't see him, but he's saying about this tall. Like knee high. <laughs> a little taller than knee high. Well, anyway. It's radio, Mark. I, had, I know, right? I, we had some cone-shaped rosemaries, and his grandmother had him and his sister, and I'm like, are you okay? Do you need help? And she's like rolling her eyes. Come here, come here. So I walked him over to the rosemary, and I rubbed this little kid's hands on it. And he, I, I fell out laughing. He put his hands up to his face and smelled, and he said, oh, my God. Gosh! <laughs> and then he shook his head and walked off, and it was probably, hilarious. Probably said it smells like pizza. <laughs> oh, yeah, exactly. Anyway, that's the answer to the to the question I asked. What what can we call these plants that are pretty and you can eat them entirely? Edimental. Edimental. It's edimental. It's truly edimental, right? All right, have we got another call? We are going to Jean in Mobile. Good morning, Jean. Good morning. You are right under the wire, sir. What's up? Right. Look here, I was just going to ask you about that plant sale on uh, Ann Street in Mobile. Yeah, plant uh, at that, the Central Prez Church. Is that tomorrow? Yeah. Okay, now yeah. let me say, tell you something else real quick. 
the uh, Botanical Gardens have their annual plant sale this weekend, too. Oh, I didn't know that. They have a great plant. The, the, the one at, at, at uh, Central Prez is a plant swap, not a plant right, sale. Right. I, I, I go every year, but I, I couldn't remember. And, uh, and then i got to go buy some syrup. they cooking off some syrup tomorrow, so I'm going to get go. some syrup. There you go. So my house cleaner is going to go. We'll go to potty. Well, well, because because of my eye, I'm not going to feel like driving out of mobiles. But please tell everybody I said, hey. I, I tell you what, uh, I don't know what that doctor gave you when he fixed your eyes, but your head wore off yet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and speaking of house cleaning, he's cleaning up because he made a mess Mark, cutting a persimmon. <laughs> I cut up a persimmon, and Mark just pulled out of his purse. He found it wasn't some, a, it's a backpack. A backpack, <laughs> out of some, uh, something to clean up in here. Anyway, thank you for your call. All right. Uh, we have one more. It looks like Marcy, and I'm not positive where you're from. Good morning, Marcy, but you can let us know where you're calling from. Good morning, Mark. Good morning. Can you hear me? I can. Okay. I am actually almost to Bay St. Louis. I'm going to the native plant sale at Crosby Arboretum. Oh, that's a, good, that's a good one. That's a good one. Man, y'all are killing us. We can't go to any of them. Yep. What can we help you with? Well, that one starts today, but it's also happening tomorrow. Great. And if you go on the website, there is an awesome, very specified list of everything they're going to have available. Yeah. And I saw stuff on that list that I never see anywhere. Absolutely. That's a great tip. Two days. That's great. Pascagoula, Crosby Arboretum. Appreciate it. Actually, it's a uh, Picayune. Oh, it's Picayune. Excuse Picayune. me. Yeah, Picayune. Yeah. Picayune. Yeah. Anyway, I've never been there, but um, it's I a cool place. to remind everyone. Tell them I said hey. I will. And Mark, okay, too. Okay, thank y'all. All righty. Okay. So, the, All right. so, Crosby, we have a native plant sale. It's an incredible place to visit. This time of year, incredible native fall wildflowers. Unbelievable place. It. Picayune, Mississippi. Well, you know, if I get south of I twenty, I'm lost. Yeah. <laughs> well, alrighty, folks. We've uh, we've managed to squander another hour here. Yeah. A squander. <laughs> What's well, a squander? Okay. okay, we did the, the persimmon. So far, it's a spoon. I picked you up dressed like a like, oomp- a, like not a an oompa loompa. Java, look what you've done. I'm a munchkin, dude. <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna take a a, a, a week long break. Come out with more of the Gestalt Gardener. If you get a chance, go to mpbonline.org and uh, check out our podcast and listen by week. And if you have any questions or we want some of my my little list, list of wildflower stuff, go to fellerushing.blog. Me and Mark fixing to head out real quick. Yeah, I'm packing up my purse before my girlfriend gets in here. <laughs> if you get if you get a chance, folks, take a kid to a farmer's market. A lot of stuff going on this weekend. Farmer's markets are at their peak right now. Take a kid, show them how to do what we do best, and that's get dirty. See y'all next week. Me and Mark. Ta-ta. Ta-ta. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Thank you.